This is the Coffee Commune podcast, where the coffee community comes to collaborate, showcasing today another of our Coffee Commune members. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Coffee Commune podcast. My name's Rehan. I'm one of the general managers of the Coffee Commune. Today on the show, Mark Minnis from Hospitality Supplies. Mark's been in the industry for a heck of a long time. He's been around. He's seen a heck of a lot of things. It's super cool to have him on the show today. Mark, thanks for being here. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Why the hospitality industry of all the things that you could have done? Why, why did you choose this industry? I went for a job through a recruitment agency back in 99, and I missed the job. But in the application, they said, you said that you were interested in a change and you liked food, and they said, we've got a job going in uh, food service, and would you be interested? And I said, sure, I was interested in a change. So after nearly 20 years selling rope and cordage and shade cloth, I ended up selling fryers and ovens (laughs) and dishwashers. That's quite a big jump out of shade cloths to hospitality equipment. Do you find there's any parallels between the two? Anytime you're dealing with customers, yes, there's parallels. I mean, uh, even- Only when there's humans involved. (laughs) Even when there's humans involved. Yes, true. But the idea is customer service. That's relevant, whether it's you're delivering a roll of shade cloth or delivering a dishwasher. They've all got, in all cases, we should be finding out what the customer needs, whether they need blue shade cloth or whether they need a big dishwasher or a small dishwasher. So I think it's, in some respects, customer service is all- very much the same. You've just got to understand the industry that you're servicing more than anything, which I've enjoyed doing. So what's that look like for you? It sounds like customer service is a really, really important point for you in your business. How do you do customer service? First and foremost, there's an old saying, people like buying from people. I mean, as much as Amazon's probably taking that away from us, and I think whether that's a cafe or buying a dishwasher, People want to get the best information. They want to get, you know, deal with somebody that seems to know what they're doing. People want to deal with people. So they will find the person that gives them the best result or the best information. And that's what I've always tried to do is find out what the the problem is and then try and find a solution. If you've got a small space, well, I've I look for a small machine. If you've got high volume, I look for a high volume machine. And that's how it is with all customer service, whether you're supplying cafes or you are a cafe. We've all got to identify what the customer needs and meet those needs. So the scope of your business is quite wide and varied. It's not just dishwashers, is it? No. So I I would sell almost anything for a cafe fit out, uh, blenders, Um, coffee grinders, the displays, uh, gelato displays, food displays, cake displays, ovens, and I do a lot of specialty stuff. A lot of my stuff is at the the top end of the industry. Uh, In some cases, it's probably weighing very much the most expensive brands. And so that, that has a place in the marketplace like everything. So is there anything that you see as, say, trending across different equipment ranges? Like, for example, you know, whether you're talking about coffee grinders or dishwashers or blenders, is there a consistent trend that cafe owners look for in their equipment? 
Well, I think that they, it's going to—it's rather than what they are looking for is what they either should be or will be asking for. I think COVID has really um, shown us a few gaps in our businesses, and of course, then there are opportunities from those gaps. But there's a lot of pressure on labour at the moment, getting staff, getting staff at the right price or the right. So is there machinery that can fill in that gap? And that's what I think businesses are now going to be moving towards, labour saving, energy saving. My equipment is virtually all European and Europe has a very strong focus on energy consumption, but they are also under labour problems as well. So we're all trying to get the best results, consistent results, but have as little expertise in those areas as possible so we're going to have very simple to use, simple to program, cost-effective, energy-effective uh, equipment. And I think that's the trend for our industry particularly because we are a very energy-hungry industry. Well, I mean, I guess for a, for a cafe owner, labour cost is probably going to be 25 30% of all of their expenses. It's huge. Yes. And that's if you're a profitable cafe. If, if, if your labour percentages up around 40%. That's huge. So I guess, have you got any specific examples of equipment that can go in that can save on labour? Virtually all of the industry at the, and at the top end of the equipment, I suppose, is we're building in a lot of programmability, connectivity to Wi-Fi, uh, simple, very simple processes. Um, so my blenders have got programs why would you have a, pro a programmable blender? You can understand it maybe with a combi oven, but why would I want a programmable? You only want to blend a drink, a beverage, for as long as you want to blend it. So it's no point in having one size fits all. If the blend only requires 35 seconds, only blend it for 35 seconds. Don't blend it for a minute because that's a 25 seconds of extra power used. Exactly. It then slows down the process and it, then it doesn't build in the consistency. And that's the beauty of programmability in a lot of equipment is it'll only do the job that's needed to do for the time that it's needed to do it. The staff can walk away, do other things and then come back and the, dr the drink is blended, the beverage is blended. Combi ovens probably, we're all, the industry is very familiar now with combi ovens, but that's where combi ovens really got their toehold in the industry is they were programmable so they could do what you wanted them to do without supervision. And I suppose that's the other thing that we're trying to do is we don't want to be telling staff five every five minutes how to do something. We want to give them the guidelines and then the programmability and the functionality of equipment will let them use the equipment unsupervised. Is there... Um I'm just trying to think of like the alternative point of view here with so much programmability, with pr so much automation, does it take the art away from the product a little bit? No, no. Again, that was the thing that was going back to the combi of an example. Again, that was one of the things that was a great deal of resist resistance in the early days is I'm a chef, I know how to cook. I don't need an oven to tell me how to cook. And that wasn't what it was about. It's it, the In that case, the chef would set the programs. The chef would also then determine the portion sizes and the results. 
and the combi oven was just a way of making that easier, not taking it away. Coffee grinders, I suppose, is a really topical because we're in the coffee commune. Coffee grinders are very precise now, and that will do many things that will give you the minimum wastage in your beans. Every gram counts, so you don't want to be wasting it. You don't want staff to be putting uh, overground coffee in the bin. So by programming it, you take that guesswork out of the start, out of the operator, but they still have to control the process of of expressing the coffee for, through the espresso machine. So these are tools. Dad had a hammer. Now we've got well, that's Dad had a screwdriver, and now we've got brushless screw uh, charge rechargeable screw uh, drills. I mean, you know, you, you would, don't even look at a screwdriver anymore because you've got that tool. But it's still you still have to be a tradesman to get the best out of it. Okay, so it's not really about you're about taking the skill of the chef of the barista and just refocusing them away from having to do that job over and over again and automating just that part of it. That's exactly it, right? What equipment is there for is to take the manual as all of the manual aspects. A person can wash up a pot as effectively in a sink using soap and hot water as they can in a dishwasher, but it's very labour intense. So get the equipment to do what you can't or don't want to do and you can focus in on what's integral to your your business and that's being in front of the customer, communicating with the customer. Again, with labour-saving tools like the blenders and stuff like that, if you can leave the product, leave the product to the, the blender, walk away, you can go and talk to your customer and you'll get much more value for the business out of saying, how's your day to a customer while the blender's being done than turning the, your back on the customer and supervising the blender. So I guess it sounds like what you're proposing is not so much labour-saving but labour-redirecting back into customer service. And I think that's the difference between why someone would come to your cafe and not, not the one next door because they can get coffee anywhere now. You can get food anywhere. There's so many outlets. Why would they choose you? Well, hopefully customer service is the answer. Yeah, customer service is, is one of the keys because, again, it comes back to that old saying I said before, people want to deal with people. We want to act, re- interact with people. We don't want to go in the coffee place and get the same coffee or a similar coffee from around the corner and get no joy out of that. And the only way we're going to get joy out of that coffee is, is if the environment and the services is above what the competitors are doing. So it's, it's all about freeing people up yeah. to do what they're there for, which is serve the customer. This is a slightly loaded question, but with the sort of uptake now of, of services like Uber Eats, online delivery platforms, where there's a, a separation between the provider and the customer, what do you think of that sort of model? Do you think there's still a way to do good customer service despite having separation? Absolutely, absolutely. Again, there's another saying in sales, price is only an issue in the absence of service. So what the internet has done is it's educated people into looking for the best price. They can find the product. But if they need help with that product or that the product can be value-added by service, people will 
default back to a one-on-one interaction. And so Uber Eats and the delivery services, of course, have got a place. Some people can't get out of home. With it. I mean, it's been of extreme value to a lot of people over the COVID, but people ultimately still want to deal with people. They want to go out and have the breast to say, G'day, Ray, how are you going? The usual today? And, and I'm seeing that more and more in many areas, people greeting their customers. Previously, it wasn't so important, but they're now starting to learn that that's really key. You know, um, giving the people... Who doesn't want to be Norman Cheers? Oh, that's probably a, b- a bit of an older <laughs> reference, but who doesn't want to go into a, b- a pub or a cafe and get, hey, Norm, you know, and, yeah. a- and people will pay more for that. People will um, be loyal for that, but they won't be loyal to Uber Eats for the simple fact is that they haven't got that personal investment in it. It's just pure convenience, isn't it's it? It's purely a convenience. It's purely a, an, a tool. You know, I can't get out tonight. I don't feel like going out tonight. It's raining tonight. I'll let somebody else get wet. But if you really want a dining experience, you're going to go out, you're going to go to a place that's got a nice decor, great service, hopefully, and the quality food. So if there's one major problem that you could solve in the industry, what, what would it be? I think energy consumption. I think it's it's uh, a, a nightmare we don't really know is there. I think I sell refrigeration. I sell a lot of refrigeration, and people don't quite get that the refrigeration is on twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five days a year. And if the f- refrigeration goes down, it's not only the report the problem of fixing the refrigeration, you potentially will lose all of the valuable stock that you have in the refrigeration. So refrigeration is a a very important part of the business, but every minute of the day, refrigeration is chewing electricity. So if you can save even a small amount, it adds up to quite large figures. I sell a charcoal oven that uses obviously charcoal to fuel it. Even a kilo a day saving of charcoal, is you know three four hundred kilos a year, but if you then you're in business for four or five years, you know that's a significant savings. I mean that means that you you're also then saving on your labour because the more charcoal you use, the more charcoal you've got to carry, the more charcoal you've got to store, and that's the same with electricity. It's the same with gas. If you can find ways to reduce your consumption, it's not only just the money that you're saving is a series of on costs that might be there as well. So let's go back to that fridge uh, refrigeration example for a second. I want to kind of unpack that. So in terms of making some savings on refrigeration, are you suggesting there's an alternative way to, to store food or is there a better choice you can make in refrigeration? Refrigeration is a product that is quite complex, but it's all hidden. No one can look at the motor, no one can look at the condenser, no one can look at the the insulation. So a lot of refrigeration looks very similar. So people see that a fridge, two fridges side by side, and one's five or $600 cheaper than the other, well, they look basically the same, so I'll go for the cheaper option. But the compressor could be more efficient on the Dera machine. 
the level of insulation could be significantly thicker on the Dera machine. So your $500 saving now could cost you $1,000 a year? Many, many cases that would be the, the case. And as I say, refrigeration is workhorse. And again, people also don't clean the refrigeration. It's very important in our local environment, especially because of the humidity. Dust is everywhere and dust will stick to things in, the, in refrigeration. So some refrigeration is even just easy to clean, let alone the fact that we need to schedule cleaning for it. But so don't be blinded to asking questions about the equipment and physically looking at the equipment. But more importantly, I know we're all time poor. We're also time poor. Is try and investigate the what that difference is. Ask the salesman what the difference is. Of course, the salesman in the shop will want to sell the deer as what he can because that's where he's going to make the money. But the important point is he's got that in the shop for a reason. It's there because it's six hundred dollars more more than likely better. I don't. I'm not probably not explaining that real well, but. No one would dispute that a European-made car may be better than a, a brand made, made elsewhere, but they know that because of, there's been many years of, of communication about that. They've seen the, the Mercedes at the trade show, they've seen Mercedes at the road, they've seen Mercedes on the television, so, and they've seen reviews of it and they've seen it on Top Gun and uh, so... Top gear. <laughs> Top gear. <laughs> but we don't do that with fridges, of Top course. Top Gun was Jets, Mark. It was that was Jets, not Mercedes. <laughs> um, whereas with refrigeration, we don't have that. So a lot of people don't even know the brands in the, our industry. I've just taken on a new brand of beverage server, and no one's ever heard of it before. But they've been manufactured in Japan since 1918, so they must be doing something right. And I think Australia is in the in a difficult position is we don't necessarily see the world's best brands or all of the brands. I think it's a, it's a solid point. I mean, for me, I can look at a car and you, you can see where the extra value is. Your, your Mercedes is more expensive, but you can see it's got leather seats. You can see it's got a touchscreen monitor. You can, you can kind of see where all the va- extra value is that you're paying for. But in blenders, I wouldn't know a cheap one from an expensive one by looking at it. And no one does except the people that have been educated in it. So that comes down to the salesman. I mean, again, coming back to that example I said before, whereas a lot, you know, salespeople have got a bad rap, they want to sell you the dearest thing to make the most profit out of it. But ultimately, they want you back time and time again. Back to service again, right? <laughs> it's all about the service. So, so use the the knowledge that the salesman has, the supplier has, for your benefit, because they've got it. And if they haven't got it, find somebody that has. So let's dig a little bit deeper into that for a second. What are the kind of questions you should be asking of the salesman then? Don't ask the price. Ask about the benefits to you of the equipment. Um, Again, in sales, there's three factors. There's the features, advantages, and benefits. The features and benefits are about the actual piece of equipment. The benefit is what it does for me or you. And that's what you've got to hone in on. So, and that's where you would ask about what's the energy consumption? What's the cleaning process? Those are more important than how much it costs, how often you need to clean it, 
these sorts of issues are going to be, again, impacting on your labour costs, impacting on your energy costs. And if you can clean it faster, so uh, displays, a lot of your food displays have fixed glass on the front. So the only way to clean the inside of the fridge is to get inside the fridge. Whereas a lot of equipment now has front opening glass so that you can clean it without having to. So that's going to be a speedier process. It's going to be a more efficient process. And the staff aren't going to do it poorly because it's a more comfortable process. So it's a win-win-win. Very, very cool. So what's next for, for your business? Where are you going in the next couple of years? What are your focuses going to be on? I've still got a long way to penetrate. My, my products have got a long way to penetrate the market. My charcoal ovens, for example, being taken up at a very high rate in Sydney and Melbourne, but Queensland's only just discovering them. So they, uh, my products are, I'm in a fortunate position where I can see just organic growth um, f- through the future. But hence for my first podcast ever in history is it's also about communicating better, learning how to communicate better. Every day we can learn, every day is a school day and we can continue to learn and find better ways to communicate the important issues to the customers. And so it sounds like it's really just about telling the story a little bit better through new channels, through digital channels. That's how you want to try and reach more people. Is there anything that you would have wished I had asked you? Again, about the labour saving, it comes back to labour saving. Labour is so, so important in our industry. And, and again, by freeing people up to do the communications and the service, you, know, they, you might get an extra coffee, you might get an extra sandwich, you might get a dessert out of the customer. And if you can get that, that's money for jam, that's, that's profit. So free up your staff as much as you can. Make cleaning and, and all of the processes as simple as they can, but never neglect cleaning. Cleaning is absolutely crucial. I've already touched on it with refrigeration, but every piece of equipment you have works better clean than it does unclean. And it also leads to breakdowns. And the last thing you want is a piece of equipment to break down. In restaurants and cafes, it's four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. In a, in a cafe, it might be you know, at 7am in the morning. The last thing you want is your one and only blender to break down because you know you're going to get hammered at breakfast service. Super critical. I'm I'm so glad that uh, you know we've touched a range of different subjects here. I think it's been a great overview of what you do in the hospitality industry and some great tips for anyone in the industry as well. So, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? I don't have a website, but my mobile number or my email is the best way to get it. My phone number is oh four two eight three eight four. 774. That's the, the best starting point. Cool. So we'll, uh, we'll link the contact details in the show notes for anyone that's interested in getting in contact with you. It's been so great having you on the show. I've really loved chatting with you. I always love meeting new people in podcasts like this. It's just like a great way to make a quick introduction, but also really get to know someone in a very short amount of time. So I'm super grateful. I've had a lot of fun. I hope you've had fun as well. Yeah, it's been great. Awesome. It really has. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Ray. Thank you for listening to the Coffee Commune podcast. Remember to subscribe and rate this show wherever you're listening.